Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. But you look sad. No, I'm not. I'm... Somebody finally is going to marry my kid. I'm emotional. <laughs> but it's not today. No, it's soon, though. Look at you. You wait that when, when we will really get married. I'm not going to be there. Y'all want to be by yourself. So I'm soaking all this in. It's not about you, you know, right? It's <laughs> I just know. about and I no, 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 not to dis- not about you. Like it's not like I don't want you exactly to be there. We were just no, planning no. to go there together. I that's get all. It. I'm, too, I'm but... glad you let me be here. So I just want waiting for me and Joey. But Gwen has been so nice to me. She means really welcome to me. And I start to feel a little bit guilty. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Perry. Um, 90 Day Fiance Edition slash Sister Wives Edition. We're back. We're back again. Hope you guys have been having a great week. Obviously, you know, my world has personally been rocked with, you know, the after in the aftermath of the Meghan and Harry interview. If you want to hear me talk about it, you just go back one episode. I went in for like a whole hour about it. And, like, do I feel good about that on, like, a mental health level? Um, I do. I probably shouldn't, but I do, you know? Let's talk about 90 Day Fiance. You guys, I'm so sorry. I just, I don't think I can do this anymore. (laughs) I just am, like, I don't take any pleasure in watching this season anymore. I just think that this is the worst season of 90 Day Fiancé across all franchises. 
that's my truth. Maybe it'll be better next season. Maybe not. I don't know if or how 90 Day Fiance even exists in a COVID world. How? How? (laughs) If so many of the borders are closed, like, how is this possible? Have they talked about, like, what the future of 90 Day looks like? Because... I'm wondering if TLC is like, damn, I wish we hadn't just given all that 90-day content over to Discovery Plus because we really don't have anything. Are they thinking about that? (laughs) Um, I I don't know, you guys. I want to be excited about next season, but I just, I don't even know how they would have a next season exist unless they do like a 90-day what now with a bunch of old couples. And would I be invested in that? I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I'm thinking about getting Discovery Plus, you know, even though I just said a couple weeks ago that I like I'm never ever because I just feel like I kind of want to see Danielle be sad. (laughs) That sounded way better in my head than when I said it. I hear it now. That's a horrific thing to say. (laughs) And I apologize. I don't take it back, but I do apologize. Um... Something about watching her in those commercials is just very compelling to me. Like, I just, I just want to hear her say, like, oh, I miss you, Muhammad. You know, she was quite a character. Let, let me talk about Real 90 Day and Sister Wives before I really lose it. Um, let's start with uh, Mike and Natalie. <sighs> the queen finally got her ring. I don't even feel like talking about the whole rest of it because you've heard this song and dance before this the Mike and Natalie are the free bird of couples this season like I know every word I know all the choreography I don't know what else to say I don't know what else to say we know that Natalie wanted that damn ring back we know that they've got about 17 minutes left in the visa we know that Mike is you know Clearly telling in confessionals that he does not want to be with this woman while keeping her at arm's length and constantly getting upset and annoyed with her and, but he's not doing anything about it in real life. I I don't really know. I mean, it was Bo's birthday. Bo had a surprise 50th birthday. He, you know, his locks were luscious and they were flowing that mullet of his and he had on several necklaces and like a dangly earring like all the tiktok boys are wearing now he's like you know Bo's just a bad bitch and i i'm grateful that he's back they claimed that it was a surprise party but clearly they had um recorded Bo walking into the house like multiple times because he walked in already with a birthday hat on the same birthday hat that nike and natalie were wearing Did anybody see that? (laughs) So was it a surprise? Because they couldn't even bother to act like it. Um, He got a sheet cake. Shout out to him for that. Um, And that was basically it. I mean, we... There was one point where Natalie, you know, Corona has hit Washington and their area in a big way to the point where they had, you know, the, all the shops are going to be closed the following day. So Natalie decides to go and visit this, like what seemingly looked like a triple wide trailer that was retrofitted to be a boutique, like a woman's wedding dress boutique out in the middle of the woods. There was two ladies named Wanda and Belva. 
there to help. And Natalie tried on some dresses. She had her mom uh, watch her via FaceTime. She, you know, had to awkwardly explain to yet another person that she doesn't really know when or if she's going to get married. At one point, she literally said, I don't have my ring, I don't have a wedding date, and I don't even know if I have a groom. But I guess I'm getting married. <laughs> I don't know. Um, what else happened? So she tries on the dresses. You know, she's still trying to, like, fake the funk with her mom and make her mom seem like, be under the impression that their relationship is all hunky-dory. And she has to keep explaining to her and like lying to her mom basically and being like oh you know because of covid we're not sure about the wedding date you know whatever but it's like girl you literally have less than three weeks before you have to get your ass back to ukraine so what are you gonna do <laughs> anyway they go back um we see mike and natalie have yet another living room catastrophe it's like a fucking marriage story every week with them God, Mike is certainly no Adam driver, is he? Um, Natalie might be like a Scarlett Johansson, though. Let's be real. <laughs> anyway, um, he comes home in a funky little attitude. God knows why. The same little funk that he always has. Um, an attitude as funky as that gray jacket that he continues to wear. It's like it's I'm wondering if it might be like fusing with his skin at this point. Um, he is in a mood, which makes what happens after this even more confusing, even for Mike and Natalie. So he's putting some logs in the fire and they sit down and Mike starts his whole song and dance, which is not being honest about the fact that he really doesn't even like her and won't just cut the cord. Like, I know that he said, I don't love you anymore. And I know that he said, I, um, you know, whatever the fuck he said, but also it's like break up with her, you know, <laughs> you can saying I don't love you anymore, but then still fucking her and living with her. Like that doesn't mean that doesn't do anything. That doesn't do a damn thing. Why don't you break up with her if you don't like her so much? Um, so he sits down and he starts talking about, you know, because of COVID, we just don't really know. Like, I'm not sure. We're going to have to wait and see. Blah, blah, blah. Yada, yada, yada. And it's like, why are you blaming COVID? It's you. It's you. <laughs> and he, you're also speaking these platitudes like you guys have all the time in the world and at this point they have 19 days so he's talking about all these lofty let's just see how the next what 18 minutes go before we decide to shut this down so then he pulls out the ring out of his crusty little pocket and was just like uh, you want this you know what? I just remembered something. They don't have 19 days left on the visa. They have 13 days left on the visa. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. So he just pulls the ring out and was like, do you want this? And she's like, are you going to ask me? Like, are, are we going to do any, like, is there going to be any pomp and circumstance? 
other than you taking this out of like a crusty, you know, uh, starter jacket that you had since 1979. And I know he's 35, but is he? Because I am, and he just feels like a very different 35 to me. Okay. Um, so he says, uh, you know, like, uh, huh? <laughs> He's, he goes, will you be my fiance again? I mean, nothing. Like, truly, go girl, give us nothing. So then Natalie is like, okay, is this going to be... Like, what are we doing here? Are we starting over from scratch? And Mike's like, what? And so now you know that we're just going to forget everything, right? Are we not going to remember, you know, the time that I gave this ring back the first time? Or like, can we just start fresh? Mike gets frustrated immediately and he's like, oh, oh God, like, why do you just have to ruin everything all the time? And he gets up. Natalie's like, it's important that you forgive me. And he's mad. And I have to be on Natalie's side here. Like, if I give you the, like, he never wants to talk about anything, you know? (laughs) Mike never wants to talk about anything. Like, every conversation that they have that he starts is on his terms. And if he doesn't want to talk about it, then he throws a whole hissy fit and everything's her fault. Like, he never really wants to engage with her at all. And that's why I tend to be more on Natalie's side, even though she's like a true nutcake, you know? I would not want to be around her, but I also feel like she tries and she's honest, like she's mean and she's nasty, but at least, you know, she says how she feels. Like, we're not going to act like Mike wouldn't say equally nasty things to and about Natalie if he had if he didn't have a filter you know I know he thinks these things he just doesn't say like he hates her he fully hates her and I honestly like I just don't think it's unfair to be like because really he's been protesting and protesting and protesting and saying like I'm not going to give you this ring back and so when you put it out of that crusty (laughs) pocket out of nowhere when you seem pretty annoyed and like you came home annoyed, I would be like, oh, I I would be the one who's be very confused and asking a lot of questions. Like, how did we get here? When like five minutes ago, you said you weren't even in love with me. Like, our, what's our plan here? Right. I don't think that's an unfair question. Maybe she could have waited and let them celebrate. But again, it's like we're not all running on mic time. You're going to have to have conversations at times that maybe you don't feel like it. Okay. That's called being an adult. So Natalie gets up and Mike is like, Oh, do you want to get engaged or not? And she's like, yeah, but do you forgive me for giving you the ring back in Kiev? And Mike's like, no. (laughs) So why the fuck are you asking? Why, why are you giving it back? Is that like an unfor if that is if that is an unforgivable thing for you again why are you giving her the ring then well, Dude come on you guys are not getting a third season okay i know you're trying real hard and you guys are on the stage of the voice right now but i'm not pressing that button and i'm not turning around Is that what is that the voice I don't know what these shows are you guys I think it's the voice Um 
that's it. I don't want to talk about them. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to talk about them. He puts the ring on her finger and then just basically lets her hand fall. And then he was like, oh, can we have some non-social distance time? And then we see him like carry her like a caveman to their bed. And it's like, I don't need to see that. Okay. Truly. Ugh. You know what? Honestly, like, I think that that was probably a tactical move on Mike's part. I think that he was like, I know she's leaving in two weeks. I know I'm not going to marry her. I know that more than likely they're going to have to send her ass back to Ukraine. So let me just pop a ring on her finger and I can just continuously get this nut. Okay. And I'm sorry to say that, but that's my theory. That's my theory. Let's move on to Brandon and Julia. My God, another just complete flop (laughs) of people that I don't really care to talk about. Brandon is continuing his regional theater acting real and now we're at the point where suddenly brandon is playing mr billy badass like what what's happening here he they go to the church to check it out to see what's happening it is march of 2020 at this point so we all know that they are not getting married in a church in may of 2020 two months later more than likely right um so they're visiting Betty's talking about how they're going to have 50 to 70 guests and Julia's really excited to see the church until she finds out about the guest thing. And something in that triggers her because she turns to Brandon and asks him, like, do you know who all these people are that are coming? Because it's obviously not my side of the family. And he's like, mm, I don't know. And this really sets her off because now he's playing like Mr. I don't care about the wedding, Mr. Like this isn't something that I asked for. And it turns into this whole very weird fight. And I'm thinking, who is this guy? And then I'm thinking, oh, I've seen Betty and Ron. This really shouldn't be that surprising to me, but he really took a turn. And it, this whole thing seemed like he just isn't into Julia anymore. And she sits down, they sit down in one of the back pews of the church. And she's like, I feel like you're not really invested in this. And I don't really understand what's going on. Is this just a wedding that your mom is planning for us? And Brandon is like, I I feel like you want me to feel something that I don't feel. I don't care about this wedding. It's really for you. And Julia is like, well, why are you doing this then? He's like, just to make you happy. (laughs) Not because I love you and I want to do this and I want to be married to you. He says, I want, I just am doing it to make you happy. There was one point where they were talking about getting married on May 9th, the mother's day weekend. And one of the directors of the church was like, Oh, you know, talk to me about that. She says in a confessional, you know, for a church, getting married on a Saturday and then we have our whole Mother's Day special church to do. And on a Sunday, it's like kind of a hectic weekend for us. So we really don't like to do it. It it wasn't like Betty's reasoning, which is like Mother's Day is such a special day. And how could you possibly do this to me? And can't you find another date? Because I'm a mother and I need a whole weekend. And how dare you guys get married? (laughs) 
she was more coming from a place of like, this is just a lot of work for me. <laughs> so I don't really prefer it. So the director asked, why is there like significance to the date? Like, why the ninth? And Brandon doesn't say anything. Julia looks at Brandon and she says, you better answer the question as to why this date is important for us or I'm leaving. <laughs> so he like, is like, I don't know. I, I really don't know. But we saw him in the beginning of the season say that the reason was because the ninth was the day that he messaged Julia and said, I think you're going to be my future wife. Brandon says in a confessional, she's got so many dates, important dates that are tied to different numbers. I just like couldn't think. I was confused about which one was which and what the significant is. Basically, like he's really acting like he doesn't fuck with this girl at all. And I just like don't really understand what his deal is. It, it seems really fake to me, but it's like, why are you making yourself look bad? You know? So yeah, basically he says, you know, Brandon says in a confessional, he's just doing all this, like I said, to make her happy. And now because of COVID, he feels like he doesn't know if he has enough time to know if this is something that he wants to deal with for the rest of his life. Meaning Julia. What? <laughs> you, I mean, you're acting like the fact that she wants to plan a wedding is so like... I don't know. It's very weird. Like, why is he acting like this is such a bad thing? It doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. <sighs> Whatever. Um, yeah, that was the end of Brandon and Julia. That was the end of Brandon and Julia. Let's go to Tariq and Hazel. They're still, you know, this is our big drama for the season with them, I guess, is that coming off the heels of that video chat that they did with Minty, um, Hazel's still feeling some type of way and she's feeling very insecure and they're just not speaking the same language. Hazel's basically gone silent and Tariq confronts her and he's like, you know, I feel like he got the sense that Hazel felt like she, that Minty wanted to steal Tariq and that Hazel says she feels very stupid about that. Tariq says that he's worried that Hazel doesn't want to get married anymore. But he's also, like, not understanding what she's saying. And I don't mean that from, like, a language barrier perspective. Because she speaks very good English. And she speaks very intelligently. Like, he just doesn't understand the impact of what he did. And how insecure he made her. So Hazel says, you know, I think they both are like looking into a very bad future. Hazel says that she thinks that there's going to be a point where Tariq realizes that he really loves and wants to be with Minty. And uh, Tariq is concerned that, you know, she's not going to be able to get over Minty. Like, there's going to be a point where she comes to him and says, I I'm just not over it. I'm still very jealous, and I, I can't deal with this. So we see them with his daughter in the morning, and Tariq's like, so what are we going to do? Because you have family, you have friends coming in, I have family coming in. 
what are what's our plan are we gonna act like fake and like we're happy when you're haven't been speaking to me like what are we gonna do are we gonna fix this or not and then we see him go (laughs) we see Tariq go to a fine establishment in the greater Virginia Beach area called Upscale um, Men's Clothes (laughs) Upscale Men's Fashion you guys just a block of a building with red lettering outside could not be more clear what is inside um is upscale constitute a rack of ties that are on sale for $14.99 I'm not sure seems like a little bit of false advertising to me but I digress um Tariq goes to try on his suit to get fitted and oh lord it is a We all know that Hazel's favorite color is blue, right? Or is it purple? (laughs) It might be purple. No, it is blue. It is blue. So we are really tying this blue theme into the wedding. Tariq is uh, regaling us with a gorgeous suit, all white suit with a blue, baby blue bow tie, like a, um, you know, North Carolina blue bow tie and handkerchief and the suit honestly uh, shout out to you guys upscale men's fashion it looked like it was made out of scott toilet paper um but you know what that's fine let's just hope that it doesn't rain that day or that really no moisture happens because you will be able to see directly through all three layers of the suit and the shirt and the undershirt that material looked Um, Like it belonged in a store in the Virginia Beach area called Upscale Men's Fashion. I will say that. Anyway, so here's what I mean about Tariq not understanding what's going on with Hazel. So he's at the store with his friend Jake. And they're talking about, you know, what happened with Minty. He tells his friend Jake, you know, that Hazel's still upset about how he reached out to Minty to check up on her for coronavirus because that had started coming to Thailand. And Jake is like, yeah, I can understand why Hazel would be upset about that. Totally. Like he is not on Tariq's side at all. He even says in a confessional, I really have a hard time because he is a good friend of mine. Just saying like, I don't understand like not I have a hard time not being team Tariq. Right. But this time I can't support him at all. Jake really went in. (laughs) <laughs> to a point where like Jake was married and I felt like mm, Jake seems like a very jealous man like is he wrong in the essence no but I feel like he went a little far with his opinions maybe he was just vying for some extra camera time I'm not sure but Jake Jake really let his opinions out for sure so he says you know there are just some people that you can't just check in on after you've decided to get married to somebody. And then he says in a confessional, you know, if I found out days before our wedding that my wife was talking to her ex, um, and then he holds his cam, his phone, excuse me, his hand up to the camera and pulls the ring off and says, that ring would have never come on this finger. <laughs> like, okay, drama. 
excuse the fuck out of me, Jake. Um, then he says, you know, Tariq says, you know, I just feel like she should understand that Hazel is the one who won. W-O-N-1. I did not like this phrasing. He's like, you know, she's the one who won. She's the one with the ring on her finger. She's the one I'm about to get married to. So why doesn't she understand? Why is why does that not give her enough confidence? And it's like, well, mm. <laughs> I, I just don't, I'm not loving the phrasing. I'm really not. But what he does understand is like, Jake said, you're continuing to communicate with somebody that you talked to or dated when you were on a break from the chick that you're engaged to like why don't you understand that she would feel that you're he doesn't understand like how his actions are garnering hazel's reactions he's just worried about the reaction and thinking about like how it's going to negatively affect him rather than trying to change What's causing the reactions, which is his very direct actions. You guys get what I mean? <laughs> I, y'all feel me. I know you do. Um, so Jake says, you know, Minty is going to be the end of y'all's relationship. And that her number is still in your phone for a reason. So you need to get rid of it. If you're actually not interested in her, you need to get rid of it. it it's the problem. The saying, like... Sh- Hazel won. The issue with that is like it really has nothing to do with your relationship. Like maybe you're trying to do some like dude shit and be like, oh, the ring's on her finger, but like just say that you love her, you know? <laughs> say that you love her and you want to make it work, and that's why she's got the ring on her finger. Don't say you won, Tariq. You know? Did she win? Because really Hazel's a prize here. Like, I don't I dislike Tariq less than the other men on this show generally. (laughs) That's all I'm going to give him. But Hazel's definitely more intelligent than him. She's surprised, I think. And you won. You won, Tariq. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Let's move on to Stephanie and Zied. Excuse me, Rebecca and Zied. Um, excuse the hell out of me. Rebecca's insecurities have actually taken a turn for the entertaining. And she actually stood her ground this week. I was kind of liking this, Rebecca. Just kidding. But I was kind of like watching this, Rebecca. I kind of like watching this, Rebecca. So 
they got back from the cabin early. You know, her mother-son trip to the cabin that went awry. Um, you know, the horse-drawn carriage and the, the view of the grounds for them to possibly get married didn't really do much when Ziad revealed that they had to get married before Ramadan, which is two weeks um, coming up. And if they don't, they basically should not be living together and see you later. Bye. Pretty much. So they got back early. Um, Rebecca had to put in time at the hot chicken place, but he stops by to meet her in the alley and pick up some chicken and really try and work things out. Why is Ziad? <laughs> Ziad really gives you like a full fantasy with his outfits and his poses at any given time. Like, you know, he'll put on a too tight sweater and the long hair and that'll give you, you know, Mercer Mayer, um, little, you know, uh, gerbil, something in the hamster family. Um, he gives us like, um, Euro trash man who's trying to give a, an idea of like what he sees Americans look like on Instagram and he'll come out with like the very tight jeans and the 80s glasses. And then this week we saw him looking like a damn pink lady from Greece. Um, posted up on the side of the back of the hot chicken. Hot, the back of Joella's hot chicken. And leather jacket. Um, glasses like aviator, Euro aviator glasses. Um, he's got his little leg kicked up on the building. His arms are crossed. Like, Okay. Beauty school dropout, no graduation day for you, Zied. Um, he's feeling some type of way. He's actually upset with Rebecca. And maybe this is a part that I found um, entertaining. Was that Zied actually put his foot down? I mean, he put it back up on that building, but he put it down at some point. And maybe his little um, arm tattoos are making him feel like a bad bitch, but I don't know. I appreciated it. I. Rebecca's really not happy and neither is Ziad. And Rebecca says, you know, things have been a little bit tense since that conversation, but I'm thinking like, no girl, things have been tense the entire time. They've been tense when you were all had your panties in a wad because, uh, you lived in the same building. You moved into the same building as your ex as though, Warner Robins, Georgia, apparently all has one fucking uh, Melrose Place style apartment building that you can move into. Uh, there's tension when you're, uh, you know, giving a 25 year old blonde uh, side eye across some like buffalo chicken wings and, you know, cups of two for one Blue Moon. Because she dared to ask Zied that she, you know, if she could help him move in. There was tension when you went to your son's house and you saw how Zied liked uh, children. And now you want to have this whole conversation about um, if you dare think that you're going to have kids six years from now. Or that you think that you might want them. uh, Think again, bitch, because you're not breaking up with me. Um, There was tension when... Ziad was on the phone with her and he was tired. There was tension when he came to America and he didn't give her the welcome that she thought that she wanted and deserved. There's tension when Ziad breathes too wrong, too hard. 
You know, there's always tension, girl. The only reason why you're picking up on the tension now is because Zied is actually giving you back what you give him all the fucking time. (laughs) Drives me crazy. (laughs) She's so self-centered and in her own world that she can't sense tension. She is the tension maker. She's not only the client, but she is the tension president. Anyway... So Rebecca's like, you know, because we can't be together during the month of Ramadan unmarried. You know, there's everything that I feel like everything that I planned and all the things that I had to do to get him here is like a shortcut. And I just don't want to do it. So she tells Ziad, like, point blank, I'm not getting married before Ramadan. And she says, she makes like a fairly good point. She's like, so when we... Stayed together in a hotel when I was in Tunisia. That was okay. When we did another thing together, that was okay. But now it's Ramadan and you're acting like our whole relationship has to change. And I'm wondering, does he mean like once Ramadan happens, they can't move back together? Like, let's say they don't get back together or they don't get married during Ramadan or before Ramadan. Is he saying that from now on they cannot live together until they get married? Because that kind of seems like what he's saying. Like, this is going to be a semi-permanent situation until they're able to get married. Like, it's not like after that month he can move back in. That's what it seemed like to you guys, right? Um, So it's a fair question to say, like, why was it okay for us to actually be in your country? And I know it's a religion thing, but it's like, there's it's also like a social aspect to it right um why is it okay for us to have done that then but now we're in this whole situation and he's like well because it's ramadan and so then you know rebecca basically calls his bluff and is like okay well maybe you should call tiffany um i don't know what your plan is but i guess you should figure it out and move out And Ziad's like, oh, wait, really? (laughs) And Rebecca's like, yeah. I mean, we've been waiting two years um, for this to happen. So, like, what's another month? And Ziad says, just so you know, like, you weren't the only person in this relationship waiting two years to get married. Like, get a grip, sis. (laughs) And I was like, oh, excuse me, spicy. (laughs) Ziad you know, makes a good point. He's like, you know, I'm not here to live in America. I'm here for her. And it makes me, you know, so angry, so much angry that I left my family, my country and my friends for her. And she's basically acting like she doesn't know if she wants to marry me. So then Ziad says, you know, if I didn't think that you wanted to get married, I would have just stayed home. (laughs) during Ramadan and just come back after. And she's like, you know, I've noticed that that's the third time that you've mentioned going back home. And Zia's like, yeah, well, I'm mad now. (laughs) So Rebecca has to go back inside and that's the last we see of them. Uh, Let's move on to, gosh, I guess we'll move on to Jovi and Yara. So things, I guess, are getting better. It's been a week since they got into their argument and Yara's saying that Jovi's been way better, more attentive, and 
because of that, because they're on such good grounds, it's actually making her kind of like New Orleans. So they're leaving in a few days to go to Vegas to get married. And Jovi's like, you know, these last few days I've been really hopeful. And I'm just kind of hoping that in the next few days we can keep Yara in a good mood. And it's like, boy, you don't know what the hell you're doing, do you? <laughs> He's such a garbage monster. He he has no... I Like, he does the right thing, but it doesn't seem like he ever acknowledges his part in it. I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't like Jovi. I do not like him. So next we see um, Gwen, Jovi's mom, and Yara go to a shop to go look at dresses. Obviously we know at this point that Yara is still standing firm that this is going to be a wedding, like an elopement just for her and uh, Jovi. And Gwen is feeling... Like, she's in um, tactical mode, basically. She says, you know, it's um, she's like the perfect Southern passive-aggressive woman. She truly is. She drives me crazy. She triggers me. She reminds me so much of the... Ooh. <laughs> she reminds me so much of um, this girl that I went to high school with and grew up with, her mother. I'm not going to reveal who this is, but if you went to my high school, you're free to ask me and I will tell you. (laughs) But, um, oh, she just triggers me. So she's like, you know, I don't really know why I'm here to go look for dresses when I'm not even, you know, invited to the wedding, but I'm here and, you know, I'm just kind of hoping that this is going to be the day that, um, there are only a few more days left and I'm hoping that maybe if I spend the time here that maybe she'll invite me to the wedding. And it's like, okay, okay, you've got a plan. <laughs> this is not a, not a thing. She, she's got those tear ducts worked up. She's got them all filled up with tears just on the ready. You, you can see the puffiness under her eyes from all those tear ducts that are just like waiting for the moment to drop. This is Operation Dumbo Drop. <laughs> For for Gwen. So Yara tries on dress number one. It is titty city, leg city, slit high up to the sky. I mean, it is, as Gwen put, very Vegas wedding. <laughs> she looks beautiful. I mean, Gwen can, the only compliment that Gwen can give is like, well, it fits you perfectly. I can't do a Louisiana Southern accent. So this is the best you guys get y'all. Um, so then, here we go. Clockwork. Here come the waterworks. Gwen, Yara turns around and is like, why are you crying? And Gwen's like, oh, you know, I just, I know that you guys wanted to go do this wedding um, by by yourself. And, you know, I just feel like, you know, and, and then, you know, completely manipulating her. Completely. Yara just got Karen. She got her first Karen experience in America and she didn't even realize it. Didn't see it coming and was completely fell into that trap, didn't she? Mm-mm-mm. So Yara is like, you know, I just want you to know it's not like we're intentionally not inviting you. I just really wanted it to be us two. Gwen has it in her mind that like, and I don't think she's wrong, that 
the circumstances would probably be different if Yara's family was able to attend. But it's also like, this is just my only boy. And I was really thought, thought I was going to see him get married. Well, Yara says that Gwen is making her feel guilty. Because Gwen's been so nice to her this entire time. So she basically ends up inviting her. Gwen says outside in a confessional, you know, like, I feel pretty special about being invited. But it's like, you weren't invited. <laughs> you cried your way into an invitation. And now look at you. I mean, she probably already had the flight and hotel. She already had that Travelocity booked and was like, oh, let me put this on a 24-hour cancellation just in case. But, you know, now she's going to have to book a, a ticket. <laughs> so... Then the next thing that we see is about Jovi's bachelor party. And I don't even know if you could call it a bachelor party when there's only two guys and two other guys than Jovi, two guys other than Jovi, and um, one of them ends up leaving. Like, I don't really understand, but he's cramming this bachelor party in. He has got... <laughs> They're leaving for Las Vegas in the morning. So he has like a few hours to party before he has to hop on a flight. We find out that Yara fell at the street when they were walking earlier that day. So everything's fine. The baby's fine. But she's in pain. So going from the Gwen School of Manipulation, Jovi's like, you know, I really want to go on my bachelor party, but... You know, I feel like Yara doesn't want me to go because she's hurt. And, you know, basically what he does, (laughs) she's sitting there in pain in the living room and he picks it up in the kitchen, puts it on speakerphone and is like, his friend's like, oh, where are you, bro? And he's like, oh, you know, I don't know if I'm coming because Yara's hurt. And like, I really would like to be there, but, you know, I really want to take care of Yara and make sure she's okay. But like, Really, I really want to go. So can I let you know in like 10 minutes? And then he hangs up and, you know, innocently looks at Yara and is like, well, that was my friend. And he said that he really wanted me to come over. But, you know, I don't know if I should stay here because I'm trying to be a good boy. Mom, mom, can I go over to my friend's house for a slumber party? I mean, my God. So, by the way, when he told his friend on the phone, like, oh, Yara fell, he was like, oh, okay. So are you coming or not? (laughs) (laughs) We did not give a fuck. So she ends up playing some ground rules of like, you know, you can stay. It goes from like an hour and a half to two and a half hours. And, you know, don't have more than a few drinks and, you know, just come home early. Right. So he's like, okay, cool. And then basically skips out of the door. And then we see him like the most anemic bachelor party I've ever seen. Just like, let's go get some of those like yard tall neon green cocktails that they give out at the bars that you can walk around New Orleans and and uh you know drink in public and you know saying you can have one or two drinks in a place like uh New Orleans is a a, a generous thing I will say <laughs> um but you know him and his two friends are like acting like they're both they're all like fucking badasses <laughs> 
<laughs> with their highlighter green drinks. And they go and have some drinks and then they're going to the strip club, which is, you know, apparently Jovi's sacred place in New Orleans. And his friend leaves and is like, yo, I'm a father and a uh, husband and this is not my thing anymore. I, I don't want to go in there. And, well, we also find out that Yara had invited, in addition to Jovi's parents, also a few friends. So the friends that are there are also going to be going to the wedding in Vegas. Then we have this, like, devil and angel on the shoulder. So we have the husband and father who's, like, leaving and saying, you know, once you have a kid, your priorities are changing. You're, you know, yeah, I used to be at the clubs and I used to be at the stripper clubs right there with you. But I've got different priorities now. And then we have this, like, douchebag... Um, who's like, oh, yo, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, like, let's go, let's party, like, this is your last chance, bro, it's your last chance, um, they go to the strip club, (laughs) whatever, honestly, like, I'm a little bit surprised that Jovi has, the fact that Jovi has many stripper friends leads me to believe that Jovi is a good tipper, but Jovi does not look like, he seems cheap to me, right? Like, he seems like somebody who was constantly buying, like, electronics and video game consoles. Like, he spends money, but it seems like he, I don't know, he gives me something about, like, a, you know, like, he gives me the energy of a guy who, if you went on, like, two dates and it fizzled out, he would, like, text you or send you a Venmo request for half of the the bills, you know? He gives me that energy. So, it's surprising to me. That it seems not to be the case. But anyway, some stripper comes up and sits in his lap. And she looked just like Yara. (laughs) Like she had same color dye job. Those long, very obvious extensions. And she's wearing like a gold, almost kind of like a 70s vibe. Like I was kind of into it. It was kind of cool. But his friend she says something like you know i'm the kind of girl because they ordered champagne she says i'm the kind of girl that you know when my friends are out i get a free bottle of champagne and his friend is like well i'm the kind of guy who gives you money to send you up to that private vip room so get up there girl here's 150 dollars. you have a great time and yes jovi you don't have a choice so so have some fun I mean they're really making it seem like he's really gonna get laid come on come on (laughs) let's move on let's move on to um Stephanie and Ryan oh wait Stephanie and Harris um what the hell you guys this felt like watching an old episode of the Anna Nicole show what the hell is it's starting to feel irresponsible to film Stephanie at night because it seems like she seems pretty lucid during the daytime but then you get a couple martinis into her and it's being mixed with whatever is in her stomach you know and things are being combined. And this lady, again, in a long Courtney Kardashian t-shirt, is, because you can't walk without the assistance of Harris, 
and she can barely keep her eyes open. She, like, they get up to the table to eat dinner, and he opens, uh, he pulls out the chair for her, and she almost falls two times, waiting for him for the half a second that it took him (laughs) to pull out the chair. She almost fell twice. Go and look it back. She almost stumbled two times in that time period. It's, wow. It is really wow. When they sit down, she starts off by calling him Ryan. (laughs) She says, Ryan, I mean, Harris, like, you really saved the day for me. And I, I want you to, I want to give you a big kiss, Harris, Ryan. And she pulls out a a lip, (laughs) a purse, a red purse with lips on it, which is actually pretty cute. Kisses him on his face with the purse and then kisses him awkwardly on his cheek. I don't know if she was like aiming for his lips and there was some double vision going on and she just like didn't hit the target. Who's to say? Who's to say? But she tells Harris, you know, you you did warn me and you did tell me about Ryan and you know, I just have to learn my lesson over and over and on my own, but you know, I think I have feelings for you, Harris. <laughs> But I don't want you to think that the sex that we had was like revenge sex. And I don't want you to think that I'm just with you because your cousin dumped me, even though I called you minutes after he broke up with me. (laughs) And the only time we've had sex was minutes after he broke up with me the first time or one of the 17 times that we've broken up. My goodness, what a journey we've been on with Stephanie. What an absolute journey. So we find out the more there was more to this relationship with Harris that after their, uh, you know, sexual encounter that he um, called her every day to check it up on her and to make sure that everything was okay. And he was there and he really made her feel together, feel good and feel better. And oh my God, she... (laughs) Okay. Okay, girl. So Stephanie's like, you know, she's in the interrogation mode, just like she was doing with Ryan. She's now doing with Harris and she wants to know about his baby mama. So the situation with Harris is that he got this chick pregnant when they were 17. They decided to stay together. They had two more kids and then she dumped his ass. He tries really hard not to tell on himself, but if you listen closely, he really did. He was like, oh, you know, she got fed up with me. And that's why she left. (laughs) She found another man. Stephanie was like, oh, so, you know, she just fell in love with somebody else. He's like, well, yeah, she fed, she got fed up with me. And it's like, well, those are two very different stories, you know, (laughs) but he, he really tries to make it seem like, oh, we were just together for the kids and like things just didn't really work out because we weren't really in love. But it's really like, uh, it seems like she intentionally left you and maybe you should really talk about that. Okay. He really tries to like make himself feel like he's a very pious man. And I, I did not believe it. No, not for a second. So Stephanie says to Harris, like, you know, I wonder what would have happened if that was your name on the visa and not Ryan's. And Harris is like, yeah, I'd leave in a second. (laughs) And then this man tells on himself once again and says, you know, 
in America, I heard that like people and Stephanie have these great big houses and they make so much money and this would be such a great opportunity for myself and my family. Oh, and also, um, I would be there for Stephanie and protect her. <laughs> it sounds like you really want to be, um, the Howard K. Stern to her Anna Nicole. Right? <laughs> it seems real opportunist. It seems real. Um, I got your, honey, I got your pills ready. All crushed up in a, in a, um, light and fit vanilla yogurt for you. You know? Mm, I'm not loving this. <laughs> I am not loving this. But it, I guess if um if Stephanie is giving um a hundred and fifty dollar uh uncensored dildo video, then I have to imagine that Harris is probably not in the picture, is he? So then we see Stephanie say, "Okay, well, let me just finish this last little bit of wine, and we can go back up to the room." I mean, then completely next it, bottoms up. <laughs> Like chugging it like me at 19, I mean, 21 at a keg party. Um, I mean, high class affair, just doing like a keg stand, you know, in a dress, you know, <laughs> where your friends are holding your dress up in the middle to keep it from falling. And then you got two guys on each leg keeping you up. Not that I would know. You know just worried if you're one of your titties is about to fall out. Not that I would know, but I've seen things. And I've heard things. Um, let's move on. Is our last couple? I think our last couple is Andrew and Amira. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Y'all know how this hot this makes me. This man, if you can call him that. Um, so after the conversation with the Amira, uh, with the uh, immigration lawyer, Amira's still feeling like she doesn't really want to go to Serbia, even though Andrew's been manipulating her and the immigration lawyer says that several of her clients have done the same thing and that everything's been fine and she really shouldn't worry about it so long as she says... She's going to America on business and not to get engaged. So she still doesn't really want to go. And I, nobody can blame her. Truly nobody can blame her. But she says, you know, like I really would rather take the safe route and try and reapply for my visa and say that it expired. And there were reasons for the expiration, obviously COVID and to just give it another go. But Andrew is still trying to convince me to go to Serbia for two weeks. 
So then we see Amira video chatting with Andrew and she's like, you know, I'm just afraid that I'm going to get locked up abroad again. Like I did in Mexico city. And Andrew's like, uh, yeah, cool. And I understand that was like really devastating for you and like really upsetting. And you know, like I get that, but also like, um, can you hand me, can you give me your um, flight information so I can make a plan and I know when to pick you up? But, like, I, I hear you. But also, what's your itinerary? <laughs> so, he's truly unwell. He is sitting outside in his, like, mom's daycare house. Because you can see a bunch of play shit out on the other side of the patio. And he is sitting there. And he it's like his skin looks moist. And... His hair doesn't look like it's been brushed. He's sitting out there with no shoes. His fingernails were disgusting. Did you even see that? Dirt. Pure filth. We're in the middle of a pandemic and you clearly aren't washing your hands. Ugh. In a confessional, Amira says, you know, I really don't want to do this, but... And he knows it. But he'll keep asking until he gets what he wants. So Andrew says, you know, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that you're safe. And, you know, we know from past experiences that his version of doing everything in his power means like leaning over a balcony and staring longingly out at, you know, whatever gorgeous sunset, you know. (laughs) So, okay, do everything in your power, Andrew. Um, And then, you know. Amira says, you know, I'm crazy in love (laughs) and I will do anything to, to be with Andrew. (laughs) So then I see, I'm going to miss doing her accent, even though I really cannot do it well. And it's bordering on offensive, (laughs) I think. Um, but anyway, so we see Amira, she just decided to go to, uh, Serbia. She's in the car on the way to the airport. She's crying. She's talking about how, you know, nobody in my circle, not my family, not my friends approve of this relationship. I've given up school. I've given up everything. I've given up my, uh, basically everything I know to be with this like sweaty little idiot who's got a mermaid sign at the door of his apartment. Mm, God, that, it really haunts me. It really, truly haunts me. So then we see, you know, fortunately, Amira is able to leave the airport and actually get settled in at the place I believe was called the Privilege Suites. And I think that was much like upscale uh, men's fashion. I think it was a generous title um, considering what we saw on the inside. And that's all I'll say about that. I... She FaceTimes Andrew and she says, you know, I'm still feeling pretty apprehensive about the whole situation, but Andrew's now like gone from, you know, supportive boyfriend, number one to supportive fiance, number one. And he is like, oh, oh baby. Like, I'm so happy that you made it there and we're halfway there, baby. Don't worry about it. And Amira's like, you know, Andrew's happy, but I'm still feeling upset because I gave up everything. And I don't think that Andrew has really thought about all the sacrifices that I've made for him. No, Amira. (laughs) I can tell you with full confidence that he has not. 
Ugh, that's the end of 90 Day Fiance. Let's get into Sister Wives. I was kind of half watching it, to be honest with you guys, because, you know, I was reeling in a post-royal um, high. But looking back, I actually think that it was a pretty interesting episode. Was it the bangers that the two first two episodes were giving? No, but I let's give it like a B plus, which is high. For Sister Wives, because even though I'm a loyal fan of the show, I would say that generally it's about a, a C minus on average episodes, you know, considering that there have been 15 seasons. Not great, <laughs> but I watch it anyway. <laughs> so what happened? You know, the thing that I thought was like initially turned me off is like too much. It was very Robin heavy, very Robin heavy. And I just think she's playing a little fast and loose with her role on the show. I mean, it seems like everybody's being more honest. And in terms of Robin, it's really pulling back the curtain on the fact that she knows that she is, and this is a term that we learned on this episode, queen wife. She knows it. She knows she's running the shit. She knows that she's basically in a monogamous relationship with Cody. And She's still trying to play it like she doesn't know this and that she thinks that we don't see it. And also that like she, I, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know y'all. It's, it's real mm, for me. So she uh, comes over to Christine's house. And they're having a conversation because apparently this is Robin fix my life season with all the wives. So we've gone for Mary and now we're going to Christine. Christine starts saying that like, Christine really seems to be going through it. And I wish that anybody in her life would tell her, you need to go to therapy and there might need to be some like anti-depression medication happening here because the thoughts that you are saying that you're constantly having and are pervasive in your life and those thoughts being that like everybody in your family hates you and that you basically don't like leaving your house and that you don't like being in the other wives' homes because that creates a different dynamic of a power struggle between the wives and how you have to like you're fine having people come over to your house because you can control that and like you know how to make people feel comfortable but like you can't do that with the other wives and that's really a lot like I get that it can be awkward or it could be awkward to be with a bunch of women that you're all married to the same dude and that like if you guys have different homes there is that shift of like ultimately this is her home and these are her rules and so that can make things awkward I do get that what I don't get is why she thinks that everybody in the family hates her when clearly everybody in the family hates Mary <laughs> but also like I just can't imagine anybody really hating her like that like I don't like Christine like she's fine she's very nice though like I definitely don't hate her and I don't see why anybody would hate her Y'all know what I mean? So she's like, you know, they're making each other parfaits and they're sitting down on some like, you know, rooms to go couch. And they're talking about, you know, 
all the issues. But we're getting more information about how the relationship dynamics have been fucked for years now. Just another chapter of what's happening. So Christine's version of this is really all about her insecurities, her jealousy, and something about her explaining these doesn't bother me like it does with other people. Like if Mary was talking about this, I would, it would just rub me the wrong way. But with Christina, it just feels very like raw and honest. So she's talking about how um, basically there were a few things that I thought were pretty enlightening. One, we talk about the the idea of the, the queen wife and the basement wife, which we hear um, all the wives' opinions on that. So we find out like in the Lehigh house, uh, Christine lived in the basement. She had the basement house. And because of that, she just really, it really sent her into a tailspin about her place in the family, family and her place as a wife. And so she says, you know, they're the queen wives who are the favorite, AKA Robin. And they know that they're the queen wives and they walk around like the HBIC and they know it. And there's like a hierarchy and then there's like the basement wives and a basement wife doesn't always necessarily literally live in the basement, but it's, you know, it's a ranking thing. It just, it's like a lower, a second citizen of a wife, right? Like she's in steerage. Um, you know, we hear Janelle talking about it and she says, you know, I lived in the basement. I have actually lived in a worse basement than what uh, Christine lived in because it was a true basement that didn't even have windows. Like Christine had windows at least. (laughs) So I don't really see what the problem is, but I also like what I don't feel like Janelle. (laughs) I feel like this marriage worked out the best for Janelle. Hands down. Like Robin you know, is saddled with Cody, you know? So like, maybe it's happy for her, but like, let's really look on the other side of the street is that she's tag teaming with Cody for the rest of her life. No, thank you. Um, Mary, need I say more? (laughs) Uh, Christine clearly is feeling very insecure, but Janelle seems like she got to work. She got free childcare. (laughs) She got a husband when she wanted and the husband when she didn't she doesn't really give a fuck about where she lives she kind of seems invested in the family culture but ultimately she seems like well whatever like i would like us to all live together but you know i'm not gonna not gonna cry about it if we don't um she janelle really lucked out because i think she She wanted to have children, didn't really want to raise them. (laughs) She wanted to have a husband sometimes. And it seems like they genuinely do respect each other and that they have like a friendly relationship. And that's probably enough for her. She's like, I don't really want to fuck him, but like we can talk about stuff. She won. Anyway. um, So then Christine talks about how in the Lehigh house, uh, Cody never took showers in her shower and how that was a very important relationship marker for her and how basically Cody was, would mostly shower over at Mary's and she had had several conversations with him about it and he never did it. 
until Robin came into the family and had a conversation with him about it. She even said that she had a conversation with Cody before he and Robin got married and asked him, are you going to be showering at Robin's house? And he said, yeah, probably. And uh, she was like, okay, well, you need to shower at mine. If you're going to do it over there, then you need to do it here. And not until Robin got involved did it actually happen. But we hear Cody's side of the story, and he says that basically Christine rewrites her own history, and she rewrites it in a way that makes her the victim, and that she thinks that things are worse than the reality of what actually happened. He says that he used to shower at her house all the time, and he really didn't even think it was a big deal. And he said that the reason why he showered at Mary's because he was basically trying to divide the morning time between the wives. So they all got equal time. And he says, you know, I would mostly eat breakfast at Christine's. And I figured that was like quality time that we had in the morning. And I would go to Mary's and I would shower and that would be the quality time that we had. And then whatever I did with Janelle, that was what we had. So he felt like, he was trying to make up for things, but she, he, I mean, he never has any uh, sense of like responsibility. So I do kind I would be able to believe that maybe Christine thinks that things were some, in some situations, things were maybe worse than what they actually were because she was feeling it. But it's also like Cody never, it's not only does he, that he doesn't take responsibility for his actions. It's also that he doesn't ever feel any empathy for the other wives. It's like everything that's a problem is their problem and they need to deal with it. And there's never any desire to participate in making the situation better. And that's weird because what do you hope to accomplish by that? Like, I mean, I got, it explains exactly why he's still remaining in a relationship with Mary. Mm. Um, we actually did see Mary and Cody have probably the most pleasant conversation where in the episode we are talking about, um, uh, Mariah and Audrey going to check out wedding venues. Boring, boring, boring. They checked out places that were like fine. There was one place, the first place that they went to was really cute. It was like a Red Butte situation. It would obviously be outdoors. That was cute. And then they went to like one that was like a fakey castle thing and it just gave me um, mini golf set. I not for me. They were fine, but not for me. They're planning on getting married in August of this year. So I guess we'll see how that goes. Um, what else? I think we got to talk more about Christine. That was a little bit of a detour. Um, I feel like there was something else that she said that I found really interesting, but yeah, I just feel like somebody needs to talk to her about like, I don't know what the LDS church or what their religion's relationship to mental health might be, but I think she genuinely needs it. And that's like sincere, genuinely. Um, I feel like something else happened. Fuck. Let me pause and I'll, I'll look back. <laughs> I remembered y'all. So 
when Christine started talking about the kids and how she wanted to protect her children, I thought that was really very interesting. Um, she basically starts off by saying that she put herself in a position where she would not want to rock the boat and she wouldn't say things and that would come at the cost of her children. But what she says second that was very interesting is that she, because she took such a pivotal role in raising Janelle's kids because Janelle was working, she put Janelle's kids needs before her own. And she says like she regretted She's like, I acknowledge that I wasn't like the parent that I should have been to them and I feel bad and I'm never going to do that again. And that's another reason why she doesn't want to live in one house with all of them. That was very interesting. Um, I think that's it though. I (laughs) I think that's it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. I love you. Back next week. Bye.